Warning, this podcast contains sexual content, graphic language, and bodily functions. Get over it. I'm Heather Ann Gottlieb, and this is Dirty Girl, the show where women tell stories about the fucked up shit they deal with every day. Because there's more than one way to get dirty. This week on Dirty Girl, we're covering assault. So if this is triggering for you, you may want to skip this one. As a woman, I've been assaulted how many times? I don't know. Um, but it's just so, it was just so part of the culture that you, I didn't know I could say this is wrong. And I knew it didn't feel good. But if what I, what I would try to explain to somebody that didn't feel good, they tell me just get over it because I was just what you deal with as being a woman. And one time I was assaulted at a bar um, in, uh, in Venice. And I was just, it was St. Patrick's Day and some guy like goes up to me and like immediately just grabs my ass and like holds it there and me like big feminist me who's like fuck you like don't touch me in that moment I froze and my whole body stopped and I just looked up at him because he was towering above me and I couldn't speak and I said what why are you touching me and he said because I want to and I said I don't want you to touch me and he held onto it like towered over me held, kept his hand cupped on my ass for another three seconds and then smirked and slowly let go and slinked away and it was like I was so shaken that like I know you know you'd think I'd be able to say hey fuck you don't touch me but it was so scary and sudden and to have this conflict and I was like probably 21 now I like to think now I'd be like fuck you but it was scary and I've been grabbed at bars before, before that, many times. But that was the first time that it felt so aggressive. And maybe at that point, the conversation had started coming up more culturally, socially, that, yeah, yes, all women are, have been assaulted. Yes, all women, you know, that maybe that's why I was more aware of it. I don't know, but... Uh, I walked away really embarrassed that I didn't do more. Like, I walked away being like, why did you just let him touch you? You know, that, that voice in your head that makes you the victim and that you, like, mad at myself for not immediately saying fuck off, mad at myself for freezing instead of being like, it's everything, like, it's not my fault. <laughs> I didn't do anything wrong. And it was surprisingly scary. The guy let go, walked away, and then my heart started beating and he was drunk and then maybe I said like I think I've told Bethany hey that guy just grabbed my ass and she was like ew what a jerk but like that's all what we're conditioned to just say oh what a jerk not like that's a crime you know like report him throw him out of the bar it's, it was so naturalized and I've taught that that's just what happens when you inhabit the female body in a public space Dear stranger, you don't know me. You probably only remember me as the girl trying to get into your apartment because she thought she lived there. You probably remember me as being too drunk to stand, too weak to speak, 
too trashed to move out of your doorway. Well, I would like to formally introduce myself. My name is Francis, and on Sunday night, I was drugged at a bar. I went out with friends, I had a few drinks, and the next thing I remember, I was having flashes of you screaming at me to leave. I remember trying to ask you for help, but not knowing how. I remember saying, no, please, I live here, and then my mind goes blank. I remember you screaming and calling the police, and then blank until I was running down the street, afraid and not sure where to go. I found my building and I sat on the steps, or so I was told by my neighbor that found me. She helped me put the pieces together too. She found me sitting on the ground, covered in throw up. I couldn't speak, I could barely stand. She asked me if I was okay and I stood up pointing to the building. She helped me inside and helped me to my door. I unlocked it and I stumbled into my apartment. My memory after our encounter was waking up in my bed with no recollection of half the evening, bruises all over my arm. I first panicked and called in sick to work. Then I checked my body to make sure I hadn't been assaulted. After all, you hear the drug labeled date rape and it makes you assume things. I was lucky. I could have died. I could have been injured. I could have injured someone else. I could have been assaulted by a stranger in a bar. Instead, you brought me out of my days. I don't blame you for yelling. I don't blame you for being angry with me. I'm so sorry for what I did. Coming to your door in the middle of the night thinking it was mine, I wish I could go back in time. Even days later as I write this, I feel ill. Headaches, body pains, the bruises are clear now. I wish I could tell you this, but this letter will never be read by you. It will never be a conversation that we have. Although I wish we could make amends because I owe you an apology. But I also know that nothing would change your mind about me being a crazy drunk girl trying to break into your apartment. So I write this for me. Because as a woman, I deserve better than to worry about my drinks at bars. I deserve better than wondering how I got home in one piece. I deserve better. We deserve better. Sincerely, coming down from the date rape drug. I was out with friends, um, with a friend and her fiance at the time, uh, now husband. We, her and I went to the restroom and he stayed with our drinks and someone was still able to slip something into both my drink and her drink. Um, the last thing that both of us remember is, uh, leaving the first bar, her and her husband went home or now husband went home to their apartment and I stayed at the bar next door to wait for a lift. Um, I have flashes of what happened the rest of the evening, but this letter pretty much explains the circumstances of the evening. Um, I do want it noted that, um, I contacted the location where this happened in Los Angeles uh, there was no cameras. They they claimed that they had cameras, uh, but no footage was available. Uh, nobody was really very helpful in kind of trying to resolve this. All they really said was they were sorry. Um, my friend 
also works in a an environment where she can actually get blood drawn at work. That's how we were able to confirm that we were both roofied because she went into work the next day and had her her coworker test her blood. Um, so that was the scariest part is confirming this scenario as not just a an assumption. It was a valid situation. We were able to confirm it. So it's pretty scary. I, when I woke up the next morning, I was missing some pieces from my purse. I was missing my driver's license and my one of my um, personal cards. And I thought I had lost them at the bar. Like maybe the person that had drugged my drink took them. Um, a couple days after everything kind of settled down and felt back to normal, um, the address on my driver's license was... Um, uh, my home address and the person that had my ID, the person whose house I basically tried to come into because I thought it was my own. Um, she mailed me this uh, information, my ID and my card, and she wrote me a letter. And in the letter, it was anonymous. She didn't give any personal information, no return address. But she basically said, I... Um, can't imagine having such a severe alcohol problem like you have and I can't imagine having friends that would let you be out in the way that you were in the state that you were in and I hope that you get treatment for your alcoholism Um, and that was really eye-opening for me because in her mind I was this crazy drunk person Um, and it was just so not the circumstances and it's hard for me because I know that even if I could tell her what had happened, it doesn't change the actions of what I did that evening. So there's really no justification for what I did. I I saw a door that I recognized and I tried to enter private property. Um, And like everything she did was so justified as far as calling the police and acting in the way. Um, And she did note in the letter that she did try to help me, but I was not responsive. Um, which is why she called the police because initially she wanted to call the cops to see if I needed an ambulance. And then I heard her say police and I panicked. Um, There's bits and pieces of this that I do remember, but I mainly remember her screaming and me trying to run away because I realized eventually that it wasn't my apartment. Um, I know that, again, regardless, I could never fix and change what happened, but I also know that it comes back to the issue of safety of women in in numbers and the fact that I was with a group of three people and I still, myself and my friend, were both still drugged. Um, The only evidence of potentially someone that I knew that could have done it was that I had a selfie of me and a man at a bar that I'd never seen before. Um, And even providing that information to the bar Uh, they weren't able to help me. So it's basically something of um, kind of a a chapter I just have to close and move on from. But I wrote Dear Stranger because I knew that I needed to explain myself at least to somebody um, because I would never be able to forget how my actions impacted somebody and how someone else's actions impacted me and changed my life. So... um, It was more of a letter in response to the letter she sent me, but also it was a letter 
as a reminder of people, you know, that self-blame and, and self-hatred can be really troublesome and, and people, you know, you think, oh, I made a mistake and it's really easy to just move on from it, but it's really also very easy to let that eat, eat away at you. Um, and writing is a really cathartic process for me. So I think I used it as a way to feel better. Um, and it's been a few years now. I know the letter does say it was recent, but it's been a couple years and I still think about it every time I go into a bar. Um, every time someone asks me if I want to order a vodka soda, I am, I am constantly reminded of it. Um, and I hope that that can't that isn't the same feeling of the woman that I interacted with that evening. I hope that she's been able to move on from it. But but yeah, so that is my story. Um, sorry, I didn't realize I talked for so long. Um, I'm happy to do any follow up or if you need me to re-record it with just the writing of the the piece, I'm happy to do that too. Um, let me know what you need from me. And again, I'm sorry it took me a while. It's you don't realize how hard it is to talk about something until you actually start to talk about it. Um, and then it comes back. So, okay. Thank you for listening. Bye. I'm Janish Meeting, a native writer and comedian, and I'm thrilled to announce that my podcast, Woman of Size, has found a permanent home on the Hoo-Ha-Ha Network. On Woman of Size, I talk to artists, writers, activists, and thinkers about their big-ass lives, their big-ass experiences, and their big asses. Woman of Size is plus size, Latina, flawed, curvy, curvy, thick queen, queer, fat, black, disabled. So come take up space and subscribe to Woman of Size on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. Be big, baby. Ooh, one time though, here's a story for ya. Oh man, I might bring the mood down a little bit. Bring it. Uh, so... I am from Chicago, and I uh, was seeing someone kind of in L.A., and um, we were kind of intimate. We hadn't, like, had sex yet, but um, I thought he was, like, a nice guy. Uh, turns out he wasn't, but, and I bought a plane ticket to, like, come visit him in L.A., I was very manic at this time during my life. There was a lot happening. My grandfather just died, blah, 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 excuses. I just like was like, I'm going to go visit this person. He wasn't my boyfriend, but he welcomed it. And so, and I was staying with him, though, for four days, I think. Three, three days. Um, in his studio apartment. Uh, it was very small, and I, like, hadn't even thought about like the pooping situation <laughs> um turns out he probably didn't like women very much um not like in a homosexual way like in a monster way <laughs> um <laughs> so there's like a little bit of sexual assault that happened uh huge bummer 
Um, and I like didn't really know what to do. And I was like, I'm staying with this guy. Like I just felt like I was out of options. And the night after like that happened, the next day we like went out to breakfast and I was leaving that day. And we went out to breakfast and I was like, fuck this guy. Like I fucking hate this guy. I don't, he's a monster. Um, and I had dairy at breakfast on purpose because I knew I'd have horrible farts. And I just, um, I just like farted. I just like, I was like, ah, you're gonna violate my body. I'm gonna violate all your senses. And I just fucking farted the whole way to the airport. And he kept rolling down the window, and I was like, yeah, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> he was, like, rolling down the window and be like, I think it's outside. No, and, like, would roll up the window, and it brought me a tiny amount of joy uh, in, like, a very dark situation. I also stole money from him, so it's fine. <laughs> Good. Uh, yeah, I, like, that night, I was like, he left money on the table. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm for sure going to take all your money. <laughs> and then I just, like, proceeded to fart the entire next day. <laughs> oh, man. Do you Ugh. feel comfortable at all talking about what happened? It was like, it wasn't, it's like it lives in that gray area that I think a lot of women are processing. Um I, like, wrote on my mirror this year, it doesn't have to be horrible to be bad. <laughs> so, like, it was bad, but it wasn't horrible. Um, Ryan, if you're out there, uh, I'm so glad that I have never bumped into him in L.A. Um, he, uh, we had, like, talked about not having sex, and then basically just, like, it boils down to we had talked about not having sex, there was drinking involved, um, I was, I would say, at pretty much the top of my, there was some drinking involved, there really wasn't a lot, he maybe had had more than me, I don't know, but we had a very, um, clear conversation about, like, we were fooling around, we talked about having sex, I said, eh, maybe not. I'm actually, like, I just got this weird, uncomfortable feeling from him. And I just trusted my instinct. And I was like, no, can we just go to bed, actually? Like, I really don't want to. And he was like, oh, yeah, that's totally fine. And then, like, I woke up and he was, like, on top of me and trying to put himself inside me. And I was like, what's happening? It was really confusing because I was like, what's happening? This guy has been so safe and so sweet. And it was just such a 180. Um, and it felt like I didn't really know what to do. And I just like looked at it. And then I got really upset. And he stopped. And then I just like turned up. I, like, turned my body away from him, and I was like, maybe that didn't happen. <laughs> like, uh, maybe that was a dream, uh, which it wasn't. Um, 
And the next day, he, like, kind of apologized in, like, a jokey way. It was very strange. Um, yeah. So he was just like, oh, <laughs> sorry that I, like, raped you last night. And then, yeah, your eyes did, like, what my body did. <laughs> it was just like, what? <laughs> oh, because I had spent the whole night awake and convincing myself that it wasn't real. And then I, like, got out of bed the next day and felt okay <laughs> about the narrative that it didn't happen. And then he, like, made that offhanded comment. And I was like, oh, no. And I kind of just, like, packaged it away in my body. I was like, mm, we're going to deal with this later. And so now... I get to deal with it uh, in therapy, which is great. And I'm really lucky to have therapy. How long ago was that? Ooh. Um, I, on it, mm, 20, I'm trying to think. It was two years? No, I moved here two years ago. It was right before I moved. So, yeah, like three years ago. And was it uh, you had decided this guy is fucking awful and then you left? Did you talk to him when you got home? Well, Uh, I... Did you see him ever again? Yeah. um, He... I guess he's like... (laughs) uh, I think he might be like the only person I ghosted, but I think that's appropriate. Um... But I had packed, like, so quickly. There was just, like, a lot that had happened uh, then after that that I don't really want to get into. But I packed pretty quickly, um, and I had left my dress that I really liked there and a necklace that was important to me. So I talked to him really just kind of in, like, a curt way um, for a week until he sent those items. And, yeah. Um, And, I mean, he also sent me, like, really nice pictures that he took that were beautiful of just, like, L.A. And I threw those away. Um, (laughs) And then did not speak to him again. What would you say to him now if you could? Well, I mean, I kind of got into a fight with him and told him that I didn't think he liked women very much, which he took poorly. Um, Yeah, that was... uh. And in my head, I was, like, doing him a favor where I was like, no, you're just, like, you don't, like, treat women well and how he how he continued to talk about like other women in his life I was like so many red flags um so him like not receiving that information and like uh oh thank you so much for that information like shocked me because I was so naive but um I don't know honestly I just hope I never see him again and I wouldn't want to say anything at this point in my life like he is an unhappy person and I saw that even when I was seeing him I was like you're really unhappy you're probably not a monster through and through 
but you mistreated me. I really hope you don't mistreat other women and learn to love yourself. Also, don't have sex with people when they say no. (laughs) And when they're sleeping. And when they're sleeping. Yeah, just so much. I want to rip his dick off. I mean, he can have it. I, whatever, (laughs) you know, I think that I'm sure he has just a whole baggage of problems. Um, So, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I don't know. (laughs) That's really personal. I think that's, I'm glad that you feel comfortable to share that. Yeah. Thank you. And then I just fucking tooted my way out of there. Boop, boop, boop. Yeah. And that was like the first stand-up bit that I, I'm a pretty fun stand-up. I like to talk about just real light stuff. Um, That was like the first bit, though, that I did was about, um, I would say, like, the first, like, legitimate set that I did at, like, a show uh, was about Ryan and just stealing his money and farting in his car. (laughs) Can you talk about that, uh, the process of, like, this is how I get him back? Yeah, I mean... Honestly, the money thing was a little bit more conscious um, because it was just, like, on his table, and he was not – I mean, I think he was, like – he was, like, passed out – he was, like, very drunk one night, and I just scooped it up. Um, How much money was it? Not a lot. It was, like, 50 bucks, but I was, like, whatever, dude. You owe me this. And then the dairy thing, I just, we, I think I had like a gluten-free waffle or something that had eggs in it. And then I was like, fuck it, I'm also going to have butter. And I knew that it was a bad idea. Yeah, I just kind of was like, I don't care. I. It was also wrapped up in me just like not valuing <laughs> my experience and that I was going to feel very sick I was like I'm gonna burn everything to the ground so like I'm gonna feel awful I'm gonna definitely like make his car smell like shit (laughs) which it did it was horrible at one point like we were we stopped at like 7-eleven or something to get a water bottle I don't know uh on the way to the airport and I just that's the first one I let out and that's when I knew how horrible smelling they were and um he was like oh my god I feel like that guy like shit his pants I was like oh maybe and I was like haha I'm gonna do this all way <laughs> too good yeah good that's how you get him back thank you so much to this week's guest Catherine and Francis you're both amazing Thanks for sharing. Love you. Dirty Girl is produced by me, Heather Ann Gottlieb, along with Cameron Taggy, Tristan Bankston, and Alex Salem. We are distributed by the Hoo Ha Ha Podcast Network. Our logo was designed by Kevin Laughlin. 
This has been a Hoo Ha Ha Podcast. <laughs>